You got to be kidding me. I mean, how do you watch that? I mean, yeah, I don't want to hear about these pitches. The first eight questions last night. Well, what'd you think? Well, are you amazed? Are you amazed that he threw 97? Are you amazed that he... They stink! Rob, what's happening? Damn, what's new? Long uh, time no, no speak. Oh, uh, it's just, yeah, I feel like uh, I just had you on not that long ago. I know. And I caught you on an off night, relatively speaking. You uh, had a three-day... What was that, a three-day streak of doing high school football? Three-day streak, a four-day streak if you want to go back to Friday because we drove, my partner and I, Chris Irway, drove to Danbury and got told, turn around to go home because of the rain, the game's not getting played. The Apparently the city of Danbury said, we're not allowing the game tonight. That's the last I heard. Uh, so I did Brunswick against Deerfield on Saturdays, a couple of private schools. And then Archbishop Stepanak and Cardinal Hayes on Sunday to Catholic schools. And then finally Greenwich Danbury last night. So three road victories. So there you go. Wow. Okay. So you went to church on Sunday and you brought your gold (laughs) jacket with you on Monday night. I like it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's right. Weekend there. Sure did. Um, So I'm pleased to have Rob back. You know, you're always on the podcast to talk sports. That's yes. kind of been your thing since I started having you on. And there's always been other stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, um, specifically road and travel-related stuff, because, you know, in theory, this is a podcast about travel. Sure. Um, it is, in a way, also a Seinfeld podcast, and that it's a podcast about nothing. <laughs> but, you know, I did want to bre- branch out a little bit with you tonight and talk about a subject that I know you and I know a bit about, too, and that is roads. Um Roads specifically in the Hudson Valley. And you know what? I'm going to steal from uh, our partner Doug's uh, title of his episodes, and I'm going to call this episode Not-So-Fresh Drives because (laughs) there's nothing fresh about the roads we're going to talk about. I've known these roads front and back probably going on 30 years in some cases. I know you probably longer than that. Yeah. Um, So there's nothing fresh about them, but that doesn't mean that they aren't worth talking about and aren't enjoyable. So... That's that's kind of what I'd like to get into with you. Sounds bit. good, yeah. And, and you know, you and I have both watched these roads evolve over the years, but you're right. In terms of 2023, not so fresh. <laughs> not anymore. Um, for those – well, let's start with this. I, for those who may not know, um, tell us a little bit about your background, you know, living in this area, growing up yep. in this area, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, I was I was a Hudson Valley born and raised and lived kid um, from literally day one. I, I was uh, I lived in the Hudson Valley for it's still pretty astounding to say 53 years before I finally moved to Greenwich, Connecticut, about a year, almost a year and a half ago. Um, but I'm five minutes from the Hudson Valley in reality, because Porchester is literally slightly to my right. Uh, but. You know, grew up very much a Hudson Valley kid, still come back to the Hudson Valley all the time as I do the public address announcing for the Hudson Valley Renegades and and still have family and friends all over. I have to play golf in the Hudson Valley in Newburgh on Thursday, as a matter of fact, and um, grew up in a family that loved road trips. We drove to Florida every year when I was a kid, and that'll... 
that'll make you either miserable or learn to look out the road, uh, out the windows, at the roads. And in, in the case of me, uh, my parents would always tell the story of how they would literally beg me to take a nap because I just wouldn't stop looking at, at what was going on on the road. Uh, I, I can remember being six or seven and my parents saying to me, we will stop at the Georgia Welcome Center, let you get your maps, and then you have to take a nap when we get back in the car. I clearly remember that to this day. So, yeah, roads became a big part of my life, and, and certainly the study of Hudson Valley highways and, and infrastructure, and certainly not to the engineering degree that you're so brilliant at and so many others are, but I love just the discussion and, and, the, and, and the whole topic of them, and, and grew up you know, literally five minutes from the Taconic Parkway. So that road really uh, runs through my, my life, no no question. And that road has seen its bit of evolution, too. It, it really, yeah. Because I, it, it really, I know that you lived in the Mayo Pack area. Is that, is right. that generally where you grew up, that part yes. of the, Okay. Yeah. I, I grew up in Mayo Pack. Um, like I said, five minutes from the Bryan Pond Road, what is now exit of the Taconic Parkway, when I was a kid, it was um, four lanes, two each way, with a divider and a blinking light. A little cut between the, the center you know, divider. And my dad was traveling up to Poughkeepsie every day and would be coming home, making that left off the Taconic onto Bryant Pond Road. And especially every Friday night, you kind of hold your breath until he was in the driveway because so many accidents were up there. And then they... they they tried rebuilding it without building a full set of ramps. Um, and then finally in the late eighties, after my, after my dad had passed of all, uh, all irony, uh, they finally did put in the, uh, the full configuration there of what is now exit 23 off the Taconic, which is still weird to say. Yeah. They have exit numbers now. Yeah. <laughs> that is a yeah. little weird, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. days of what were actually, they were, they were numbered junctions that were, the county letter and then a number. So, Brian Pond Road, I think, was P three, if I recall. That's but right, no one ever yeah. called, no one ever called it that. No, I think it was more of an internal thing. And you're right. the The exit numbers or the junction numbers reset at the county line, which was right. a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so for me, I am from Dutchess County originally. Um, I was actually born out of state, but I ended up here at the age of roughly two or so. So I consider Dutchess County to be my home ever since then, basically. Um, grew up in the Hopewell Junction, Wappingers Falls area, and I've lived in Fishkill the last, it's actually going to be 10 years this month in October no of 2023 since I closed on my condo. So I've been here basically a decade, and it's... Uh, I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere yet. But uh, <laughs> the, the roads of especially Southern Duchess are the ones that I sort of gravitated to first. And, of course, you and I have the common thread of the Taconic being in, the, in our lives, a big part of our lives early on and up through the present time. Um, there's a lot of stuff about that road from, like, the... I guess it would have been, like, from the mid-'90s or so that I still remember. Like, it was fairly recent you know before they put the rest of the interchanges in and before obviously they did all the the upgrades of the signage and all that stuff but it's a fascinating road to learn about and to you know 
when you read about the history of it and you read about how involved FDR was and it's oh, planning yeah. and construction and you read about some of the stuff that what might have been along the way in the 60s had they got their way. You know, it's a really fascinating road to start off with. And it, it is a road that I honestly have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> and I'm sure you can figure out why, because I do have every once in a while. I haven't had to do this in a couple of years, but it is a basically the major commuter thoroughfare for me to get anywhere Westchester and Point South. So I have I have had to deal with that road quite a bit over the years and my memories are not so fond then. But on a nice leisurely Sunday or Saturday, it's it's not bad, you know, for what it is. It it can be a grind to drive it all the way to the top at uh what they call Albany, which is nowhere near Albany. It's actually a lot closer to Chatham, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's where they was supposed to continue on and kind of angle toward Massachusetts, as I recall. Uh, but you're, you're right. The early version, FDR's version, uh, was how it was supposed to bend and basically go to his front door in Hyde Park, which, yeah. you know, Robert Moses said, no, we're, we're not going to do that, uh, <laughs> sir. It's, it's going to go up toward Albany. And so that's what they wound up doing with it. You're right. It's a fascinating road in so many ways um, from the great interchanges down in the lower part of Westchester County at Valhalla up toward Harrison, passing the cemeteries where Babe Ruth and Luke Gehrig and Billy Martin and all these other famous names are buried um, mm. before it becomes the limited access, you know, true highway parkway because it was supposed to be, you know, not a commuter road, but it is now, and how it rolled all the way from there through Pleasantville and Briarcliff Manor and clear up into uh, Kitchewan and, and Yorktown and eventually up to uh, Putnam Valley and Town of Carmel and up to Dutchess, Dutchess County and Columbia County beyond that. It, it is. It's a fascinating road. The history of it is fascinating and it was in the late 90s and it was probably steve anderson's site i'll give steve a shout out i i don't even know how i i think i googled something or didn't even google jeez i was probably on ask jeeves and ah, came came up with a web website yeah and i came up with i believe steve anderson's website and i went wait a minute there are people like me who are interested in this stuff will write about it and take pictures of it. It was it actually was a huge change for me in my life to realize that, you know what? You're not alone. <laughs> Have fun with this. Oh, sure. And, yeah. yeah, it's 25 years or so since that happened. Yeah, I would say that I found... I, it's probably been about 20 years since I found Steve Anderson's site. And yeah. I'm with you. It, it was a transformational experience for me also, for a lot of the same reasons. About being like, oh, I thought I'm, I just like road signs and all that crap. You know, I, me, I didn't know too. there would be other people out there who would like that kind of thing. You know, um, but yeah, the the Taconic is a real it's a real slog once you get it is. to like fifty five. I would say, yeah, like Northern Duchess starts to get, uh, and then once you're in Columbia, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, um, I mean, it can, there are... it can be pretty uninteresting. There are a few spots that you get some pretty fantastic views. I uh, can't think of exactly the town that you're in, but you're riding north, and I know there's a little parking area that has a scenic overlook there. Um, that's that's pretty great. There are a few spots, but yeah, you're 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 now into the heavy farmland and and just a lot of winding through Dutchess and Columbia, and yeah, north of 55. That's kind of the dividing line. You're right. 
Now, you mentioned the stub at the north end. Yeah. Or what was planned to continue to the north end. And I didn't realize this until very recently, that there actually is a graded stub that's still there, where Mm -hmm. the road just kind of, like, the main line just kind of loops off to the east around where the maintenance yard is. That's where it was supposed to go. Yeah. Um, I didn't really find it until I was working on the cashless job the cashless tolling and we put up the gantry at exit sure. that's exit B2 on the yes. on the Berkshire spur but you can't really see it because there's a berm in front of it like they just kind of stuck the berm there but if you go to the top and you look down it's actually like a graded highway it's kind of like i don't know if you're familiar with the goat path in Pennsylvania Oh sure Lancaster yeah and Norristown it kind of looks like that a little bit on a on a smaller scale but they were going to put yeah. a Super 2 roadway continuing north of I-90. That's that's what they were planning on. And then the one that's really interesting to me, I don't know if you know about this one. Do you know about the plan to expand the parkway through Peekskill Hollow? No, go this, ahead. This would have been, I think they were thinking about this in the 60s, like mid to late 60s. And this was right around the time when the environmental movement was kicking off, so it never really would have gone anywhere even if there was the sentiment to build it, which there really wasn't, they were going to build a second three-lane roadway. They were going to retain the original roadway just for, I I guess they would have kept it for northbounders. And they would have built another roadway, kind of like what happens at Croton Reservoir, how how there's that second separate roadway that just kind of diverges off in another direction. Well, they would have had to do something like that here, and it would have... I assume they would have built it on some sort of viaduct over the valley because that's really the only way that they could have put it in there. Um, very ambitious idea. It would have completely skipped the Peekskill Hollow Road exit, and I think it would have tied in at the north end near the Pudding Street exit and to the south near where Bryant Pond is. But wow, that, I, I didn't know that. It was kind of a short-lived thing, and I I, I don't remember if it was... I feel like it was through something that Doug did for, like, the FDR spur and all that stuff. That's kind of how I first got wind of it. And there's not that... a whole lot of literature on it, so I don't even know if there's planning. I don't know how far it advanced in planning, but I know that that is something that was short-lived at the time. That's pretty incredible. I, I had no idea of that. I You know, I've seen so much of the transformation and some of the study of it from – you know, the very early, I, I was too young to remember when they, they redid what my mom to her dying day called the interchange of the Taconic and Sawmill at Hawthorne. She called it the Hawthorne Circle till her last breath because that's what people knew it as. There was a huge traffic circle there that got filled in and became a uh, uh, the, the huge stacked interchange that it is. But I, I know that stuff. I know the creation of the two bridges over the reservoir uh, in the in the kind of Croton on Hudson Yorktown area, and uh, just the evolution of the road. It, it really has always fascinated me. But yeah, the the drive can be such a bear. Yeah, <laughs> at least if you're commuting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I've commuted it. far too many times on that road. Oh, I know. Yeah, but. Um... Some of the other some of the other roads that I think are really essential to talk about. You think about the scenic drives of the Hudson Valley, and the ones that I automatically go to are the ones that tend to be along the Hudson River. So we're talking about 
New York Route 9D between Beacon and the Bear Mountain Bridge. You've got the Goat Path, which is from the Bear Mountain Bridge on into Peekskill, right along the mm-hmm. right along the cliff's edge there, literally. Yep. Um, you've got uh, Route 218, basically the whole length from Highland Falls all the way up through Cornwall via West Point. Um, which unfortunately has been closed since July because of that washout and that heavy storm that we got. Um, so I don't know what the status of that is. I know that they're intending to open it up again, but I haven't really checked in on that recently. And then 9W is kind of like the new road, quote-unquote, even though it's been around since about 1940. But that kind of goes over the top of Storm King Mountain, whereas 218 just kind of goes along the cliffside there. Um those are all like if you asked me to pick my favorite Hudson Valley drives, those you could pick any one of those and I I think you'd have a really nice choice. Especially now that we're into October, it's starting to become fall foliage season. You know, you can't really go wrong with, with any of those, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and, and depending how you define where the hawk's nest is out uh, north of, of Port Jervis, that's also a spectacular ride as well. If you consider that Hudson Valley, that's certainly a winner also. But the ones you identified, I, I love 9D coming out of Beacon, heading down through Garrison, Cold Spring, uh, down to the Bear Mountain Bridge. That is That is a great drive, taking you... In the the one tunnel in the state of New York through uh, through Breakneck Mountain, and it, it's just a stunning vista there, looking across towards Storm King. Storm King 218 can be a real white knuckler if you're not used to it. I've driven I've driven over over and around Anthony's nose, which is six and two o two out of Bear Mountain toward Peekskill. I've done that drive. I commuted on that drive, so that one I, I'm not I'm almost immune to that one. But 218 around Storm King, the one time I remember doing it, I went, oh my, this is this is a little hairy here. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the, the relocated highway, 9W, isn't, yeah. isn't all that much better. I mean, it's no. a four-lane highway instead of two, but that's still that, – that, that can be a little hairy. And the four lanes don't necessarily help things <laughs> no, <laughs> because people, people are going to drive that much faster. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you, you mentioned another good one, and that is Route 97 around the Hawk's Nest. Um, I definitely think that is Hudson Valley. It should be mentioned. Yeah, I do too. Um, I tell you, just about every fall, right around this time of year, I do like a day trip out that way for foliage purposes. Like, that's a good one. You can take 97 from Port Jervis basically all the way up the Delaware to Hancock. And yeah. then one of my other favorite roads to come back east on is Route 55, especially between Liberty and New Paltz. Because um, you go up, it's a, it's a fantastic drive. Once you get out of Liberty, you go through Neversink Reservoir, you go past the Rondout Reservoir, you go up the hill uh, out of uh, Kerhonkson once you pass, once you join US 209 there in Napanock, and then. You have that fantastic descent once you're in the Minnewaska State Park, with the with the famous hairpin turn there, with the, which I think yep. is posted at it's either five miles an hour or ten miles an hour, one of those two. Um, one of those. Yeah, one of those. But uh, that's a fantastic. That's that's a Hudson Valley like Catskills staple, as far as I'm concerned. 
And That's another one, those, yeah, yeah, and another one, real quick. I, you know, a lot of people will talk about Route 17, and I, I and I will because I have something I want to say about it. But if you try to follow the old highway, um, the old Liberty Highway between like Bloomingburg, going up through Liberty, going up past Hancock, all the way to Binghamton, that's a great fall foliage drive too that i would recommend and there's all sorts of little easter eggs along the way if you know what to look for as far as like old signs and old alignments and and all sorts of stuff that predate the construction of the expressway in the 1970s so that's another one that i would throw out there that's a good one i have yet to drive old 17 uh i just did 17 a few months ago heading toward this gathering and Buffalo. I'm trying to remember Buffalo. I was uh, up there for some reason. Yeah, some, um, dope, some dope was having an event out there. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, so we, we drove 17 all the way from uh, the interchange at the New York State Thruway 87, and we rode that all the way out, becoming 86 out through Binghamton and so on. Uh, but I kept seeing the glimpses of old 17 and saying, boy, I'd love to be doing that. And just we, I, I've just never done it. A- another one I thought of, you know, I don't want to ignore the interstates in the Hudson Valley. I generally find 84 to not be that fascinating with two exceptions. Stormville, the view of Stormville coming down the mountain is pretty fantastic. Uh, coming down, heading toward the intersection with the Taconic. And uh, you you really kind of look and go, wow, this the Hudson Valley is really beautiful when you see that. Um, also, the vista when you're you're kind of going past Mountain Road up toward the very top there to come down into Port Jervis, get a really stunning view down toward kind of Matamoros, Pennsylvania, and and a little further up the line uh, up the Delaware. So, couple of couple of shout outs to I eighty four as much as it's uh, the bane of my existence. Yeah. No, those are a couple of good ones. And when I did a paving job on 84 last fall, we, we repaved the parking lot of that Stormville rest area. And we did it during the daytime. It was, we, couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't do it at night because of all the overnight truck parking. So we couldn't like shut it down for that. So ironically, like, we had to do it during the day. Um, that was actually one of my favorite days of the whole project. Because we did oh, it, I think it was late October when we did it. And as you imagine, that's that's peak fall foliage time right then. And the view, and you're right, the view there is very underrated. I, I feel like that's not talked about very much. Nor is that other view from Port Jervis. I might like that one more. Um, so that that's another really good one. Yeah, those, those are both good ones. You know, somewhere along the line, like I said, lifelong Hudson Valley guy. And I guess I took it for granted forever. And I was in the... Uh, the scenic overview on 6 and 202 on the view of Bear Mountain, and there were a couple of people who had never been there. They were new to the area. They were driving through, and they just they kind of looked at me, and they went, wow, this is the Hudson River. They had never seen it before. Hmm. And um, I, I suddenly – I'm like 20, 22. I'm somewhere around there. And I finally looked up and went, Oh my God! I have overlooked the absolute stunning beauty of this valley that I've grown up in my entire life. You're right. I mean, yeah, the the Bear Mountain Bridge is beautiful. Bear Mountain itself is pretty fantastic, and that whole region is great. And I was born in Peekskill, so <laughs> I guess I, I guess I got a I I finally snapped out of it. We are pretty spoiled, you know. And, we and, are. You know, to have the the scenery in our area. To have the engineering achievements in our area that we have, 
I mean, the the Hudson River bridges are just a fantastic uh, set. Yep. Um, and I'm not just talking about New York City's contributions either. Like the upstate ones hold hold up pretty well, also. Um, and I'd like to get into the bridges at some point. I do want to finish up real quick with um, with Route 17. You know, that was a road. I know you mentioned I-95 and you know your annual trips to Florida, but Route 17 was one of those transformational highways for me. Mm. Uh, my parents will tell you that I I got a leg up on my classmates learning to read because I learned how to read the road signs. <laughs> and it was actually, I, it probably was the first highway that I memorized all the exits. So the, the backstory yeah. behind that was that we would take a trip at least once a week between you know, like Dutchess County and Binghamton to visit with my grandma when she, when her health was failing. And we would, that's what, that's the way we would go. We would go up route 17 once a week, basically. So it became, you know, for this three to four year old kid, that was, those were my first real formative road trip memories was going up that way. And, uh, it's still to this day is a, is a very nostalgic trip for me every time I take it. It's, it's still, it holds up really well today, um, even though it has changed somewhat over the years. You know, there have been spot improvements made and, and whatnot, but uh, it is still one of my favorite uh, limited access drives, I guess I would say. And it is a Hudson Valley original, and so it's got to be mentioned here. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, 17 can grind down you a little bit after a while but um there's so much to see as you're making your way up through there and um and and you know you're you're driving through history that's another thing that we we haven't touched on is the amount of history just to the side of these roads You, you talk about 17 and you're talking about you know all the all the old hotels and resorts of a whole different time you know now most of them are gone, or they're or they're becoming casinos and and so on. But the days of the Neville and Ellenville and some of these other places, uh, it, it was really quite a quite a different time. In in the lower Hudson Valley, you think about, and we didn't mention this, but U.S. nine out of Peekskill, kind of hug, hugging along down toward Terrytown. Not that you always get the best sweeping views of the river, although you do uh, in the stretch toward Croton on Hudson. But what you realize is you're passing all these revolutionary and historic sites as you're doing that drive. So the history is part of the story of all these roads as well. Oh, sure, yeah. Of course, Route 9 between Peekskill and Ossining is another unfulfilled highway project from the past. Very much. Yep. That would actually, for me, it would have been perfect. It would have been great to have that. Yeah. If I could just hop on right there and go... Whoosh, Right on down to the city that way, but that's right. That was not that was not meant to be, obviously. Um, yeah, so I mean, getting back to the bridges, I know that we we teased this earlier, but you know, I I, I really think that we are spoiled if you are if you are into engineering and you are into roads and you are into all that stuff. You gotta you gotta love what engineers gifted us in the Hudson Valley, just in terms of like the Hudson river bridges. And there's other stuff too, that we can mention also, but, um, bear mountain was a transformational project. It was really the first big suspension bridge built outside of New York city. If I remember correctly. Correct. Um, 
so it demonstrated that yeah this technique this this technology does travel you know it works um growing up near poughkeepsie i have always i have always acknowledged that i have been spoiled for years because the mid-hudson bridge is one of the most beautiful engineering creations anywhere and you can't match the history of its next door neighbor the poughkeepsie railroad bridge which is fortunately still with us and what a wonderful job they did of bringing the uh, the what is now the walkway over the Hudson to life. You know, I was young when it when it burned, and of course it had hadn't been used for many years at that point. But I, you know, I, I remember hearing about the fire, seeing pictures of it, and what they have done to rebuild that and make it into this park that it is now. It, it's really a game changer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still blown away at the great job that they did. You know, linking in with the rail trails on both sides of the river, especially putting in the elevator and, you know, integrating the Poughkeepsie waterfront with the bridge and making it all sort of one seamless thing. I think that was fantastic. Um, The elevator has its issues every once in a while, but I appreciate the effort, though. Yeah, I I think it was an out of the box idea. And I think it I think it works pretty well. Um, And. And the thing to remember about the Bear Mountain Bridge was it opened in 1924 and at the time was the longest suspension bridge in the world. And it was, you know, that record lasted for a mere 19 months. The Ben Franklin Bridge overtook it. And then, you know, obviously many others, including the Verrazano Narrows as well. But uh, really quite a bridge for the time, considering it's 1924. And again, the scenery around it, especially up toward West Point, it's just stunning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of these bridges have that in common, where you have a great view if you're mm-hmm. crossing it. You know, even even at Newburgh, it's not the most exciting-looking bridge to cross, but you do get the view if you're going eastbound of the Hudson Highlands just to your southeast, and there's Mount Beacon kind of hanging there in the background. Um, Mid-Hudson, a fantastic drive going west. You have the view of the Catskills off in the distance. Same thing with the bridge at Kingston. Kingston Rhinecliff is the same, right on up the line. Rip Van Winkle, same deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of likened the roadway on the Kingston Rhinecliff to its own, like a moving observatory in a way, because of just of how high it is. And you get up to the top of that roadway, and you're almost about 200 feet above the river at that point. Yeah. And you can see for miles in all directions, and it's all mountains, and it's it's the the river below with the sailboats in the summer, and it's just a gorgeous view. Yeah. Not a not a very spectacular bridge, you know, structurally, but it, it is um you get your money's worth with the view, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you do. And that's another that's another interesting bridge actually cuz the what they built there is not anywhere close to what they had originally proposed. The original bridge was to be located in Kingston, which is why it has the name that it had. It was originally supposed to connect with downtown Kingston. And the location was moved to the north, but in doing so, they had to change the design because of the subsurface conditions. They couldn't build a suspension bridge there because bedrock was too deep. Yeah, The original suspension bridge idea was actually somewhat similar to the appearance of the Mid-Hudson. It would have been a larger version of that, but they moved it north. They couldn't build the bridge that they wanted to build, so they changed the design to fit the subsurface conditions. And that's why we have a, a, a rather ordinary looking structure, but it's a product of, you know, the technology that was available at that time. 
Functional, a functional bridge, no question about it. And as you said, a, a beautiful view from there. And it works in that it does connect into Kingston, but it's not directly into the city of Kingston. Well, one bridge that is in the city of Kingston that I want to mention is good the, call is the Worth Street suspension bridge. Are you, are you familiar with that one? I am. I was just about to bring it up. Uh, yeah. I've driven by it. I've driven over it. Yeah, I've admired that one many times. Well, that one was really the prototype in the Hudson Valley because that one was built. I think it was built three or four years before the Bear Mountain was built. And so, it, and when you look at it, it actually kind of does look a little bit like Bear Mountain. It's, it to me, I've always thought of it as the prototypical Hudson Valley suspension bridge. So it predates Bear Mountain and Mid Hudson by several years, and for that reason alone, it is worth historic preservation. And I know that there is that project going on right now that's basically a structural overhaul of that bridge. It's been closed to traffic for quite a while. Um, <laughs> funny professional story. I was actually originally supposed to go to that project. Were you really? Point. Yeah. I was I was going to be on the team if our company won the, the bid, and then, long story short, things happened and we didn't get it. But uh, that, that would have been a neat project to go on. It would have been it, – it's a very unusual, very technical project because of some of the stuff that they're doing with the cables to preserve their lifespan, and they're redoing – they're obviously redoing the deck. They're rehabbing the steel. They're replacing all the suspender cables. So there's a lot going on there that's really technical in nature. But it, it will keep that bridge around for at least another 50 years. That would be traffic, a good thing. So, yeah, yeah, that would be a good thing. Opened in uh, 1921, by the way. So, yeah, just, just before Bear Mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we are blessed. And I guess it's no wonder that I wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're surrounded by stuff like this, it, it's hard not to, to take note of that stuff, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. What are some of your other um, honorable mention, favorite drives, nostalgic drives? And I, I know you've told me this story before, but tell us the story of why your blog is titled the way that it is. Oh, it, it's, you know, it's nothing fancy related to anything specifically in terms of roads it, it's called exit 55 because it's really a baseball related story but it does tie into roads in that uh i ultimately named it you know exit 55 but the 55 part comes from the fact that as a little kid who was crazy about the yankees i thought oh i'm gonna play for the yankees and you know, go on and have a great Major League Baseball career, and I will wear number five. And a, and a neighbor of mine said to me, you will not wear number five. And I said, what do you mean? I'm five years old. He said, well, the, the number's retired. I said, what do you mean retired? I don't know what that, you know, what does it mean to retire? I can't have the number? No, you can't. It's been retired permanently for Joe DiMaggio. It had been retired, I believe, since uh, 1957 or so. It had been retired for years. Wow. And... Yeah, so I couldn't have five, and I stood there that day and basically came up with, all right, I'm 55 moving forward. And that was it. As I'm creating the blog in 2006, I'm sitting there going, what am I going to call it? And I thought it, I want it to be, I want it to be sports-related, but I wouldn't mind writing about roads and, and, you know, my own road experiences as well. And 
And there was the eureka moment of saying, call it exit 55, and there you go. And and that's it. That's how it happened. Yeah. Well, that's catchy. It's, it's certainly uh, a blog title that a road enthusiast would come up with. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, you mentioned 55, and, and it reminds me of uh, New York 55 and, and the good view, uh, you know, the... The good views on that road. For a stretch, I lived in Carmel, New York. And, and Carmel, for those who don't know, is at the very eastern end of New York 52. Uh, so I could walk to it. It was a you know maybe five, ten-minute walk into the middle of uh, the village of Carmel, the downtown area. And 52 would meet US 6. 6 would come up out of Mayapak and make a turn to the east toward Brewster and Danbury. And 52 would take over the straight roadway heading across the state of New York. And one day I thought to myself, I'm going to drive it. I want to drive the whole thing. I'm going to do 52 end-to-end. This is 2008, I think, 2008 or 9. And I put my son, who you now have gotten to know, I put Sean on the bus that morning, climbed in my car, drove to the end of 52 in Carmel, turned around, and started my trek clear across the state, including to drive the stretch through Beacon, that is now Business Route 52, That's right. because that was the original 52 uh, path to the ferry dock that carried you across from Beacon to Newburgh, right. and then I had to take the Newburgh-Beacon Bridge and went on and finished the trip all the way to Narrowsburg. But um, that was a, it was a, a, a really nice, fun day. Because it's not that long. It's a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour commitment. I didn't stop that much. And just drove right across the state and then turned around and made my way home. It, 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 people should do more things like that. Get out there and, and, draw, and have these experiences. So 55 is still one I would like to do from beginning to end. Yeah, 52 is not bad. 55 is, is probably my favorite. Um of those highways that go across the Catskills. Yeah. yeah I would say so. Um, you mentioned Narrowsburg. In the, in the bridge honorable mention category, I would say that anyone who's into bridges should check out the Upper Delaware. Because um, there's quite a few interesting ones out that way, too. Narrowsburg is an interesting one because yep. of how unique it is. It's the only underdeck arch bridge on the Upper Delaware. Right. And then, you know, you have the Roebling Aqueduct still there, and you've got... A bunch of old truss bridges that are still with us. One of them at Pond Eddy was replaced a few years ago, but That's right. there are still a few old, real old structures along the Upper Delaware between. But really, once you get out of Port Jervis and head up towards Hancock, that whole stretch of the river there, there's there's, there's quite a few historic structures still in the river. You know, you, you mentioned those bridges and and uh and that part of the delaware and i always think my very first road meet that i went to was the one that adam moss did in that area he did the one that started in milford pennsylvania and i think it went as far as narrowsburg before we began to make our way back toward milford uh but we walked across that bridge at narrowsburg i think we all parked in pennsylvania and walked across into new york yeah because that had a very old the Narrowsburg Bridge is the one that had the very old overhead gantry with the the blue "Welcome to Pennsylvania" sign. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's, I think there's only one other one of those that I've ever been aware of, and it was on US 202 at the Delaware State Line. Those might be the only two of those. I don't know that there were any more of those out there at any point. 
And that was old US 106, uh, the crossing at Narrowsburg, as I recall, is old US 106. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's another really interesting little tidbit there. Um, I want to run through some more honorable mentions of scenic yeah. drives in case... In case you find yourself in the Hudson Valley, you have some time on your hands and you want some something to drive to enjoy the scenery, or if you're up this way for the fall, that this is these are some good drives for you to do as well. I want to give a shout-out to New York Route 17A. Um, once you get out of Warwick and head down towards Slotesburg, I forget the name of the mountain that that traverses, but you link up with Route 210 at the base mm -hmm. of the mountain in Greenwood Lake, and that mm -hmm. whole area is very underappreciated, I think. Um, very out of the way. There's not the whole, It's not easy to get to. I think 17A is... It loops in and out of there, so it's really the only road in or out, but that's a really nice uh, road to take. Um, we were talking about Bear Mountain and all this stuff, but I meant to bring up Seven Lakes Drive, which is another... Yes! Um, basically, if you're leaving Bear Mountain and you're heading, it kind of heads to the southwest or so to, towards the Slotesburg area. That's a good one. The Palisades Parkway, again, if you can deal with the, you know, the speed racers of the world, you know, during the <laughs> commute, the Palisades Parkway isn't too bad either. Um, there's a few roads in that general area that are pretty nice also, like Lake Welch Parkway I like. Mm -hmm. Um... The Long Mountain Parkway, which is U.S. Route 6, and this is why you're not allowed to drive a truck on that part of U.S. 6, because it is a parkway, um, that takes you from Bear Mountain out to Central Valley and Harriman. And um, again, you talk about another great view. You come out off the Long Mountain Parkway, and then you start down the mountain on U.S. 6 into Central Valley. That's a beautiful view right there, looking toward Woodbury Commons. Yeah, and I'm never taking that road westbound. For some reason, I only oh, ever seem to end up on it east. So I, <laughs> I end up going up the mountain. But I, I know what you mean, though. Like, I always appreciate the view in my rearview mirror as, yeah. I'm, as I'm going the other way. I'm just really happy that they even bothered to put up those unique shields, those Long Mountain Parkway shields. True, true. Because I would, you know, you would think that with a road like that, it's it's not that long. I don't know that people really know that road by that name. So you wouldn't expect unique parkway shields on that stretch, but I'm glad that they have them. They're certainly they add a little bit of a unique flavor. I agree. And then if you had if you follow the truck route, US US six truck, which takes you up it's kind of a out of the way way to do it, but it's really the only way to do it, and that is you follow Route two ninety three up yep. towards West Point and then the truck route doubles back down US nine W. Um so you get to go by all the, I guess they're the proving grounds at the military academy are off of there. So That's right. I think there are signs on 293 that tell you that you're not allowed to stop. <laughs> for, for good any, reason. For any, yeah, I don't want to get shot at either. Is nope. <laughs> I'm good. Um, what else? Um, I mentioned, well, I mentioned Route 55, and US 44 does overlap with 55 for a lot of its length. Yes. Um, like right from US 209 and Kerhonkson all the way east to Poughkeepsie. Um, the 44 in Northern Duchess, I really like. Like if you're heading out towards like 
Amenia and Millerton, that area. And once you get into, if you extend this into northwestern Connecticut, that's a very pleasant drive. Yeah, you're on 44, and there's a point you've come out of Millbrook, uh, and you're kind of hovering right over, again, kind of hovering over the valley to come down into Amenia. That's that's a pretty stunning area right there. Big golf course, so that was Silo Ridge at one time. That's right there. And Amenia uh, is an interesting little town. Yeah, there's a really nice sweeping curve on 44. Right. I think, I think if you're going east, you go down the hill on the curve. It's more like a right. hairpin. But yep. that, that gives you a fantastic view of the, the rolling countryside out in front of you. That's yeah. that's one of my favorite moments in the whole county, quite frankly. Um, Route 32, we haven't touched on 32 yet, but if you like old truss bridges, there are a few of those along 32 um, that are still with us. There's a there's a couple on there's a couple in the Rosendale area. There's one up in Saugerties. These all date to like the early 1930s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so old truss bridges are really are always a big hit. I and it's kind of 32 isn't the most direct way to get between. Um, <laughs> no, between, it's not. Say Newburgh and Saugerties, right? It kind of it kind of takes its own path whichever way it feels like but if you're if you're into following a single highway that that one's that one's not bad either and if you're not it, in a hurry either yeah 32 coming out it starts right out Woodbury Common and uh 32 from there up to Newburgh up toward New Paltz it it just kind of does this waggle through New York state before it makes it up into the capital region and uh yeah, there's nothing direct about it at all. Yeah, one of my favorite, most nostalgic projects as a DOT TCI slash intern was on Route 32. We did a paving job there, and this was, I guess it would have been 20, I want to say it was 2011 in the fall. You see, everything's happening in the fall, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a perfect time, right? And I had been working overnights, and they took me and one other guy off of doing this other project. It was actually a night job on 84, believe it or not. Night projects on 84 in the fall. You know, it it all sort of comes together. History (laughs) repeats itself. That's right. So they took the two of us, and they put us on this other job. um, Because I guess they needed, I don't know, somebody quit or something. And they needed a couple of guys to staff it. They put us on this job, and the first day, first five minutes of us being on site, we see the super of the contractor get out, and he starts yelling, he's screaming. This is a family show, so I'm not allowed to repeat what he said. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Me and the guy next to me, who we came to this job together, we looked at each other, we were like, what in the world, who did we piss off to get on this job? And that job was like the craziest job ever because every other day, like the paver would break down and like there would be some sort of big row between somebody. Um, We would be out there paving until dark every day. And this was 32 between basically Rosendale and the Kingston City Lines. It was a pretty long stretch. I think it was like eight miles or something like that. And. We had we just had a fucking blast. It was just you know like we yeah I'm not gonna get home until like nine o'clock. Well whatever you know it, it, this is awesome. I'm an intern and I'm getting paid to do this and 
you know, who gives a shit if the contractor sucks? You know, it's it's yeah. fucking awesome. You know, and um, Rosendale really is a charming little town, no it question. Is, it is nice, isn't it? Yeah, yep. that's that's another that's another one that I don't know that people know much about, but they should. Um, yes, the Ro- Rosendale trestle and everything. Yeah, that's that's a good area. And that wasn't a thing when I was working there, and that's only I think become a thing in the last. Well, it was open in 2018. So it, it's at least five years ago. But I think they finally linked in the rail trails around it more recently than that. Right. And that is a great spot. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I don't get up there nearly enough. Um, no. But, really yeah, there, there's, but yeah, that whole Route 213 corridor there. There's also mm-hmm. a covered bridge right off of Route 213. Um, right, It's kind of in a funny location there where it's right next to the thruway bridge. So if you're oh, I know what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. If so, if you're going north on the thruway between the New Paltz and Kingston exits, you'll see it right off to your right as you go over. I forget the name of the the waterway there. It's not the Roundout Creek. I don't think is it the is it the Wallkill River? Geez, I thought it was Roundout, but may, maybe you're right. Maybe it is Wallkill. It's it's one of those two. Now I gotta look this up because it's <laughs> been well, it's been bugging me ever since um, I brought up uh, Route 32 in Rosendale. Um, yeah, what is it? You know what? It is the Rondell Creek. Yeah. Um, oh, it is. Okay. Is it or is it? Is it the Rondell Creek or is it something else? Hang on. It. I believe it is Rondell. No, it is the Wallkill River. My bad. Oh, is it? Yeah. The Perrine Bridge, which is the covered bridge. Yeah, that's that's the Wallkill River. Yeah, the the Rondell Creek winds through Rosendale itself, and the Wallkill River is more to the south okay which is where this is but yeah as far as clinching state highways are concerned if you want to try to clinch new york route 213 in the city of kingston good luck yeah that's very true i feel like you could say that about you know kingston does not sign their state highways very well and newburgh is somehow worse so like there are a couple like if you're trying to clinch like 207 for instance you have no idea where 207 goes. I think, like, the town of Newburgh signs it pretty well, but once you're in the city, if you don't know what cross street it turns onto, then you don't know what you're doing. Um, there are still quite a lot of old signs there, though, in Newburgh. Like, along Broadway and along 9W is Robinson Avenue through Newburgh, but you'll still see some old stuff there also. So if you're into old signs and old throughway shields, because that's, like, exit 17 is not too far from there. And old city installation traffic lights as well for the city of Newburgh. There are some old ones down in there, too. Oh, that's, that's true, yeah. I know that a lot of and, people like the old signals. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw out one other signal because I often forget about this, but in Croton-on-Hudson, there's an old dummy signal uh, right off to the side of uh, Route 129, New York Route 129. There's an old dummy sen- signal in the middle of the road there that's pretty cool. If you make a little side trip, it's, it's a block off 129. Kind of cool to see. And if, you know, folks know what a dummy signal is, it's literally sitting right in the middle of the road on a pedestal. Is that, um, because there's one of those in Beacon also. Yes. Yeah, the one one that's, um, that one still flashes yellow. I don't know, I don't know about the one that you just mentioned. Yeah, the one in Croton on Hudson is, is functional. It is, okay. Yep. Yeah, this one is on... The one in Beacon is on Main Street. Yep. Like, right 
it's kind of where Main Street forks into the two branches. Like you go, like if you're coming off of say Route 9D, do you follow Main Street through the downtown, and then the street curves to the left because it's paralleling Fishkill Creek at that point, and that's where the signal is after you make that curve to the left. Um, that yeah, that how old is that? That's got to go back like decades. I mean. The Croton on Hudson one, I'm uh, trying to look up something about it right now, and it, it dates back a long way, I'll, I'll say that. Um, how far, I don't know. I can't find anything to say for sure, but yeah. it's it's been there quite a while. Yeah, they don't, they don't make them like that anymore. No, they definitely do not. Yeah, they stopped doing that decades ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we gave... I think we gave everybody a pretty good summary here um by the way i didn't mention this before but do you do you want to take a guess as to what the first state highway in new york was that you clinched i think i have an idea of what mine was i can't prove it because i wasn't doing roadway whiz in 1989 (laughs) but um when you want to take a shot at that i think i could take a shot at what my first clinched state highway was because it's an easy one for me and it's a short one so mine would have been new york route 6n which a, is mayapack <laughs> i had a feeling you were gonna say that yeah <laughs> yeah it 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 is mayapack you i grew up off of secor road and secor road is almost probably the midway point of 6n so you turn left go up into the the town in the town portion of mayapack the downtown and it ends right there at a fork with US six, and the other end goes down into uh, into Yorktown and and ends down there. So I've clinched that one probably sometime I would guess in early nineteen sixty nine, if late, if not late nineteen sixty eight. I would say. Right, wow, yeah, I would probably guess my first was three seventy six. Yeah, which starts which starts in the town of East Fishkill, just south of. Central Hopewell Junction, it makes its way generally mm-hmm. northwest through the town of Wappinger and the town of Poughkeepsie, and it ends in the city of Poughkeepsie. Um, in the, well, I don't know that it actually ends in the city. It ends in the Arlington section of the town. I don't think it ever crosses into the city limit. It comes close. But See, I, th- I, th- I thought think... it did. I'd have to look at a map. I don't know that it ever actually does. And, rem- and you... Maybe you remember this, maybe you don't, but it didn't always end there. It actually used to end at US-9. It it didn't branch off and go up past Vassar College. It actually stayed straight out toward 9. There was an exit off 9 that was marked New York 376 oh, back really? yeah, years ago. I didn't know that. I, you know, now that you mentioned that, I do remember an old map from maybe 30 years ago at least that had it showed 376 branching into two forks like there was a fork that took the path that it takes today up past vassar and up that way yes and the other fork followed hooker avenue so i don't know if that is just a leftover of what that old alignment was i'm gonna have to look into that once we get off the air tonight yeah now yeah, you're now you're jogging my interest a little bit <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, now that, now that you explain that, that makes sense that it would go that way. Um, 
So yeah, probably that was my first state highway. And I, you know, my first, I mean, I, I was, I was the kid, I was the weird kid in the class who thought that the bus ride to and from school was the best part of the day. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my early County route clinches in Dutchess County, you know, are, yeah. are attributed to that kind of thing. I was the weird kid who, you know, teachers would, would, we'd go on a class trip and teachers would say to my, my mom, he knew exactly where we were the whole time and he could explain how to get back. And I quick, quick side note on that. I'm on a, uh, I'm on a bus with Brunswick school, which is a private school here in Greenwich, uh, going to do a hockey game with them. And I'm on a bus trip with them up to do a game at Williston Northampton school, up in East Hampton, Massachusetts. The bus, the head coach, the bus driver and the head coach have no idea where they're going. And I'm sitting there quietly under my headphones, and I finally went, guys, keep going straight, stop sign, make a left, the rink's down on the right. And they all just look at me and go, how the hell did you know this? You can understand. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long story. You can understand. You and I understand each other, yeah. Yep. Well, one of my favorite stories from high school involves something similar to that, where I knew that the trip was going to be a disaster because the bus driver made the wrong turn, <laughs> and nobody else knew. Like, So this was a high school trip that my high school orchestra was taking out to Hershey Park. And, you know, you, you can there's different ways that you can do it, right? Like, from Dutchess County to Central Pennsylvania, there, there are different ways that you can go. Um, oh, sure. So the way that the way that we were gonna go made sense at the start. You know, we ended up on eighty four into Pennsylvania and on, in Scranton. But I knew we were in trouble when we turned south on three eighty. <laughs> and yeah, not yeah. only not only did we turn south on three eighty, we turned east on eighty. Oh, like it. I don't. I don't understand what the hell happened there, but. Um, I, I turned to the guy I was sitting next to. He was my stand partner uh, in the cello section. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a long ride, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like how, how much farther do we have to get to Hershey? And, of course, I'm going through the, the numbers in my head because I know this shit and none of them know. But I think it's hilarious, and I don't want to, like – like spoil the party by like telling anybody like outside of my inner circle. I'm like, yo man, like we're going to be on this bus for six hours. So you might as well just settle in, man. So like, yeah. So yeah. we ended up crossing the Delaware river like three times to get there. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Oof. I think well, we had like a 10 o'clock performance that we were supposed to give in the morning <laughs> and it got delayed until like two or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was bad. But, well, uh, I, I, I will say um, <laughs> the the Hudson Valley itself just lends itself to, to far more than I think people ever realize. And maybe it took a long time for me to understand that, too. You know, one, one honorable mention, which is similar to what you were talking about with 17, um, is New York 22 for me. My grandmother lived in... Dover Plains, right, right off to the side of Twenty Two, and was she an Onion Town resident? She was right near Onion Town, ah. and because she lived with my aunt, uh, right near Onion Town. Actually, when there was some nonsense that went on two thousand seven eight ish in Onion Town, <laughs> I, I wrote a, a, and sadly it was a bunch of Mayapak kids who did it. Oh, they went boy. into Onion Town to mock 
the people who lived there, and they wound up getting rocks thrown at them, and, you know, they, they got knocked around. Yeah, so I wrote about it on the blog, and, Dan, to this day, that is the most read post on my blog is about Onion Town. You know, Onion Town had this sort of cult status when I was in it high does. school, and this would have been like 2004 or so. So yeah. we knew about it back then as sort of this wacky, like, little mythical place. It was like our little slice of West Virginia or whatever you want yeah. to call it. Like, I, I don't know how, you, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. But yeah, like. <laughs> Route 22, it goes right past there, yeah. It does, it does. So that's that's my nostalgic ride. And, it, and at points, it's scenic, it's scenic. And look, there are points that I'll drive it and go, okay, I get it, I'm done with this drive. Uh, but there is nostalgia to me coming out of either Brewster or Patterson and running all the way up toward Dover Plains. There's, there's a, you know, it's not the longest run. It's certainly not uh, the trip you did up 17, but there is a lot of nostalgia there for me. No question. Oh, sure. And I gravitate towards like Northern Duchess and Columbia with route 22. Mm. Yep. Cause I ended up, that was another paving job I did. And that, that was another one of my favorites just cause of the scenery. Yeah. You know? And there's, there's hardly any traffic on it up that way, up by Austerlitz and up by I 90 where that comes in. Um, that's just a lovely spot also. Yeah. Hudson Valley. Um, one, I'm going to give you one more shout-out here, and that is one of my favorite New York State Highway signs back there, which is Route 747, which is a new addition to the canon. Uh, very cleverly numbered, if I may say so, obviously done intentionally due to its proximity to Stewart Airport. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it is kind of crazy to think that that wasn't always there, that you didn't always have such relatively easy access in and out of the airport there. But they, they did a pretty good job with that project. And this, I guess, was now like, it's almost 15 years since that became a thing. So it's not new anymore, but I still think of it as new because I clearly remember when it wasn't there. And I know you're the same. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, you... you as you said, to get to Stewart Airport, you had to do this whole thing of Union Avenue and, and you know, Route 300 out to 207 and then turn and go in to the airport. Uh, and 747 from 84 really changed the game. And you're right. It's only about 16, 17 years old, 15, give or take. And then the smart thing, and I remember all of us in the road community talking about it, was naming it 747, giving it that number. Uh, it really was a smart thing. Well, you and I also remember the old the old configuration of Exit 17 on the third Oh, yeah. That was another doozy. Yes, it was. <laughs> Not as bad of a Breezewood, quote-unquote, as some of the other more famous examples. That one was at least reasonable to navigate. Because the original 84-300 interchange was a cloverleaf. Right. Before they did the modification... And then the ramps coming off of the throughway was kind of like a trumpet interchange. Yep. So you had to navigate at least a couple of street lights there at grade, but it wasn't too big of an issue, or it wasn't it wasn't like you were on three hundred for a long time trying to get between the two highways. But no, the, I, they, they were very tight turns. That's all. Yeah, but I I do think that it was pretty neat how they shoved that direct connection in there with the space yeah. that they had to deal with. Um. And one of my favorite cashless tolling assignments was hanging out at Exit 17 
Not because of any of the work that was going on, but I just love to watch the Air National Guard planes take off and land, like, right above us. Like, I don't know how they got FAA clearance to put those those huge stadium lights in there. Because, like, if, if, sure. when you're landing at Newburgh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you land at Newburgh, coming from the east, like, the wheels are probably, like, right above the tops of the, of the mast lights. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, they're not, you're not that far off the ground there, so... Yeah, that, that's that's pretty neat to see the planes coming in and out from that spot. I can tell you from my, my vantage point at uh, the former Dutchess Stadium, now Heritage Financial Park. I still can't you believe get they, some, I still can't believe can, they called it something else. But anyway. I'm, I'm proud of myself for even even remembering it and not <laughs> screwing it up all season. But uh, some really low-flying planes would come right over the stadium. I remember being on the air doing a game one night and just watching these lights come in and going, is it going to land here at the stadium? And it didn't, obviously, but uh, you know, pretty close. Yeah, Rascal's flying the plane. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> That is true. Rascal and now Rosie, his girlfriend, the mascots. That's right. I guess we can get we can look forward to an engagement party next season or whatever the heck they're going to do. They did get engaged, so there's a wedding on oh, the they, way. Oh, that's right. They already are officially engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, I'll look for my invitation in the mail. We'll see if I get <laughs> yeah. one. You and me both. I'm not counting on one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, this has been fun talking about something that's not sports. I loved it. I I, yeah. I love talking roads. There aren't many people I can do it with, um, and and you know I'm I'm used to the to the people whose whose faces kind of glaze over when I go down that road. Even the blog, a lot of my lowest read posts are about roads. Um, yeah, but you but know I, the people who are reading them are exactly. the ones who they're meant to be for. So. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'll give a shout out to a friend who listens to so many of my broadcasts, uh, Sean Saylor, who's a good friend, who I know you met over at uh, uh, Greenwich High School a few weeks back when we did a football game. If I bring up a road while I'm doing a game broadcast and if I know Sean is listening or nearby, I will give him as quick a breakdown of that road as I can because I know he's listening and laughing. So if I bring up 95... I will automatically say, which begins in, depending on how you look at it, begins in Holton, Maine, and ends down in Miami, Florida. And he's just laughing and rolling his eyes the whole time. So, yeah. you know, I, I try to work in little uh, little road mentions during broadcasts and, and during the writing as well. It's just not as fun to describe I-95 anymore in the last five years. Because we used to have a lot of fun trying to describe for people how it disappears around Trenton. Yeah, yeah. We, we, but yeah. they took the fun out of that a few years ago, so now we can't do that. But uh, anyway, but yeah, this has been fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, do you have two minutes for me, real quick? Oh sure, um, sure. Can you give me like a 120 second breakdown on the state of New York football? We are recording oh, this on what? What is today's date? It is October the third, so we're through week four. I can't believe the football season's already a quarter of the way over. I know it, it's it's going to be week five already. I um, know it just goes by so quickly, you know. Do you want high school or you want the pros? What are we doing? Well, I mean, Greenwich won again, so they're three. You know, is they're four and zero now. Four-no. They beat Danbury. Right, okay. they beat Danbury last night. Is we'll come over to Connecticut football. Uh, they beat 
Danbury last night, shut him out 36 nothing after getting a game-winning field goal uh, the week before, a 42-yard field goal by a high school kid as time is running out, having never kicked a field goal in his career. And he well, kicked a 42-yarder well, to I walk forgot. off and beat the number three team in the state. Well, I forgot about, I forgot about that detail, that he had never kicked one before. Yeah, That's... never kicked one. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. After missing an extra point earlier in the game. So uh, uh, okay. huge shout-out to Eric Perino, uh, the young man who hit that kick. And Greenwich, Greenwich, Greenwich is going to be a playoff team. I don't have too many doubts about that. I don't see too many difficult games for them down the road. The question is, who's going to knock them off? They're right now the number one. It's cool to say you are the broadcaster for the number one team in the state of Connecticut. and I, I am, once again, and that's a, a pretty cool thing. They've got a big game coming up against Darien, big rival. That's coming up with their homecoming game on uh, October 14th. So yeah. that'll be huge. Yeah. Those homecoming games are always fun to watch. They are. Yeah. Crowded. Crowded and fun. And as you see, I can just stay in the booth and hide. Well, you know, they do have a palatial booth there, Greg. Yeah, so you are more than welcome to come back and join. I might have to take you up on that before the season's over. But, yeah, I hope um, you do. Teams that are not so fun to watch right now. Um, the pros. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they gave Daniel Jones that money, huh? They sure did. They sure and the did. Giants, yeah, the Giants are a mess. Giants <laughs> are an absolute mess. Uh, Who would you Jones, rather be right now, the Jets or the Giants? I almost think I'd rather be the the Jets because I have. If I'm a Jets fan, I feel like the team I root for has a good defense. They have a couple of playmakers, you know, the Garrett Wilsons of the world, um, and and you know, you you kind of say to yourself, oh wait, we've got this guy, we've got that guy. If that's if you're a Jets fan, you worry about Zach Wilson, but. He gave you a good performance on Sunday night that you now hope he can build off of, and that's the key. Yeah. You know, he has to build off. He can't go back to the way he played against the Cowboys the week before. Yeah, because wasn't it – well, last season, for instance, he had the game-winning drive in Pittsburgh, and everybody thought, oh, the lights turned on for him, and then – we all know what happened after that, and now everybody's saying the same thing if, about this game in a losing effort. Oh, the, now he finally gets it. I'm not Den sure. Denver is not an easy place to play, and no. Denver, I think, has always been a house of horrors for the Jets historically. Um, go but out, and win, go Denver, out and win a tough road game. Right. Denver is a house of horrors to themselves right now. Denver's a very messy football team. <laughs> Um, and, and Russell Wilson, Chris Irway and I were talking about it last night before we broadcast Greenwich Danbury. Um, Russell Wilson, if you think he's a hall of famer, he's almost damaging that career, that idea every week. Well, he, he, he looked cooked last season and he doesn't look much better. So far no, he this doesn't, season. Yeah, does not. So Seattle, I think played it right doing what they did in trading him. And Geno him Smith. You know what? They're having more success with him. We would have thought, right? That's right. How about that. That's right. But yeah, so for the Jets, it's all about winning games. They got to start winning games, man. You know? Yeah, they do. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, this head coach might be the nicest guy on the planet, but he's twelve and twenty-six. You know, at some point, you got to start winning, right? 
And yeah, yeah. It's not like he's got the Chicago Bears roster. You know, he's got a lot of talent on that roster. Um, at some point, look, I, I know the quarterback bears a lot of the responsibility, but, you know, a lot of that is coaching. And yes. I don't, I don't know that they have ever coached Zach Wilson right from the beginning. I think they that's a part of it. And we they see this is, a, this is a trend for the Jets the last 15 years where it goes back to Mark Sanchez. He started out good, he hit a point, and then he declined. Geno Smith. Rookie season, he wins a couple of big games on the road. He, he, he starts out good, he hits a point, he declines. Sam Darnold, same deal. We're seeing it again with Zach Wilson, that game-winning drive in Pittsburgh. And then he falls off the map after that. That's, that tells me that this is more systemic. It's not the individual quarterbacks that are the issue. There's something going on in Florham Park that's not working. And I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you explain it, other than that. But there is a clear trend over the last fifteen years or so. No question. No question. And and the Giants, it's only going to get worse because their next couple of games just look like they've got losses written all over them, and they've got the potential to be, I think, one in five through six. And that's just to to quote good old Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Yeah, their next two games at Miami at Buffalo. Come good, on, those good, are those are not easy. Good luck. Right. I mean, and we never a, would have thought that there was a chance that the Jet Giant game would be between two one-win teams. But and it there's, very easily it's could on be. the table at this point. Yep. And yep. the season of our discontent here, we were so excited to see Aaron Rodgers as a Jet. And we saw him. Four plays. Didn't say <laughs> that it was going to last very long, but we saw him. Um, Four plays. Uh, what a mess. It's I mean, just... already you have to start looking at the Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, the Knicks, and the Nets. Hop aboard As... the Knicks bandwagon, man. There you go. That's what we there have to go. look forward to. We were an offer with the baseball teams. We're probably going to be an offer with football again. Yeah, here we go. Let's go, Knicks. <laughs> Not an easy time to be a Metro New York sports fan. It has oh, been a rough God. ride. Oh, my God. Well, as I as I sit here and watch Minnesota and Toronto and and earlier, you know, Texas and Tampa Bay, none of those are the New York Yankees. So this is a different year. Oh, boy. I know. Yep. But hey, it's only what? How many days until pitchers and catchers report? Too many. Spring. (laughs) Spring is right around the corner. Yes, it is. Spring's eternal. Yes, it does. And I plan to be at spring training. So there you go for you. I might sneak down to Florida myself. We'll see what's going on. You know, post-New Orleans meet. Maybe I'll get to sneak down there at some point. There you go. Yeah. Well, anyway, Rob, this has been great. I know I asked you for a two-minute summary, and it turned into, I mean, we could have done another hour just on this. It's what you and I I do. We just, (laughs) you know, you turn on the recorder, and we just talk. And before we know it, an hour has gone by. And it's it's always great to have you on. I'd like to do another one of these types of shows with you about, travel and stuff like that and we got to touch on another subject that i've been thinking about doing for a while but i think i finally have figured out how to do it and that is music as a road trip companion oh i like that i put up a couple episodes on the podcast recently breaking down some of my favorite beetle albums and favorite beetle solo albums um and I'd like to dive into more of that stuff and kind of go into more detail with the highlights and the lowlights 
because uh, there's a lot of both, and I know that you seem to be the kind of guy to who would be up for that kind of thing. So there's a lot that we could that you and I could get together and talk about this fall. Sounds good. If you're ever Sounds bored. good to me. You you have a lot going on with high school football, but if you ever need a break, you know, <laughs> let me know. This was a welcome break tonight, so we'll do it again. <laughs> Glad to hear that. So that is Rob Adams of uh, WGCH Radio in Connecticut, and he does a lot of great work. His Exit 55 blog is fantastic. You can find him also on Rob Casting Radio. Uh, it's been great having him on to talk roads. We did manage to sneak some sports in there, too, so our streak is alive still as far as that's concerned. But... Uh, <laughs> Rob, always a pleasure. Thank you for taking my call. First time, long time. And uh, <laughs> I'll catch my you. My pleasure. I'll catch you again next time. Sounds good, Dan. Uh, you guys out there, if you haven't already been aware, have been listening to an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast, which is being brought to you by Spotify. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Certainly hope that you have found this episode useful. And until we meet again and you hear from us again, happy travels and take care, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to uh, an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Uh, We hope uh, you get to listen to us again soon. Have a good one.